Hi, welcome to Mimi. I'm Mel. I created Mimi as a safe space for creativity, a place for creatives to come together, get inspired, and find help through accessible coaching, free resources, and fun workshops and masterclasses on everything from branding, surface design, illustration, and more. The Mimi podcast is basically a really good excuse for me to chat with amazing people, from illustrators and designers to photographers, makers, and more. In today's episode, I caught up with creative extraordinaire Liz Mosley. Liz and I are internet pals who first met when Liz took part in the Pattern Challenge on Instagram. Since then, Liz has also held a branding masterclass on Mimi. Sharing and knowledge and journey is what she does best. Liz is a branding designer, a podcast host to her own show called Building Your Brand, an ambassador for Adobe Express and more. In our chat, we talked about the way she figured out how to reconcile all the things she does and make sense of a mission, which is ultimately to help other small businesses thrive. We also discussed a current 100 rejections project, which is fascinating, as well as a juggle of motherhood and freelance life. This conversation with Lise was super fun and I know you'll get loads of nuggets of wisdom from her. Enjoy! Hi. Hi. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. You okay? Yeah, I'm good. Excited to chat to you again. I know. Yeah, after our like two-hour chat last time. <laughs> I feel like we could have gone on for much longer. Oh, so much longer, I know. But yeah, I'm super excited to be chatting to you again because also I feel like we, you have a podcast as well, which is really cool. But what I want to do with mine is go into people's personal life even more because I'm really nosy. Yeah. So it's not just yeah. about, like, I know so much work. about what you do work-wise, but I want to know more about you. And mm-hmm. that's why I always start with that question about how people are when they're kids, because I feel like mm-hmm. the way we are as children says a lot about, you know, who we become. And I guess we're the same. You've got kids and looking at them evolve in the world you're like yeah what are they gonna be you know know, it's so exciting so I want to know because I don't even know really like where I mean I know you're British but I want to know where you were born and yeah what kind of kid you were I was born in Cardiff so where I currently live I have dual heritage parents so like my mum's Colombian and my dad's English um so I think that had quite a big impact on me when I was growing up and what sort of child was I I think I was very chatty I was always getting into trouble for talking too much definitely an extrovert quite like friendly like my mum always tells me stories about me going off and just like making friends with strangers and stuff and just like chatting to whoever will chat to me definitely creative so I always was like obsessed with making things there used to be this tv program program that was like really old fashioned I think my dad watched it when he he was a kid but I just really remember it having all sorts of like crafts in it and I'd always like stop and then like go and make the crafts I always was obsessed with like carrying a sketchbook with me and just loved getting art supplies and was like always drawing and then one thing that I do remember which is hilarious is um me and a friend of mine in like a shed in our back garden basically made our own magazine and we'd go around all the neighbors and like try and sell them our magazine and then we'd do like little bookmark competitions where they had to color in a bookmark and submit it back to us and we'd choose who the winner was so like loads of little stuff like that which at the time obviously I didn't even know what graphic design was back then but now looking back on it I can sort of see how it all feeds in together 
That's so interesting then. How did you come across stuff like that? How did you start making magazines and what were your parents doing? Were they kind of infusing creativity? It's interesting because neither of them were doing like creative jobs or were particularly creative. Like my dad was a very good painter. So he did enjoy and he like really into photography as well. So he did enjoy drawing and painting and stuff like that. My mum didn't, would never have like described herself as creative. So yeah, not anything sort of very explicit, but they were like very encouraging of our like hobbies and interests, I would say. So they definitely like encouraged or facilitated, you know, like they'd be there like helping me make things and coming up with ideas of, you know, like how I could make it better or stuff like that. So I feel like one of the things that was, yeah, really positive was that they always, encouraged whatever we as kids were like interested in and um and also just like looking back I know lots of people have had sort of I guess not struggles but like have issues where maybe parents don't see you know like a creative job as like a proper job or you know want you to go into something more stable and I never really had that from them they were always very happy to sort of support the direction that I wanted to go in so there was like never any resistance from my family about what career path I might go down which like looking back I actually think is yeah amazing well it was like really helpful because I just always felt encouraged in what I wanted to pursue which was really nice that is really nice and I was just thinking about the idea that we we feel like we'd never do that right we obviously we're creative and like I said I think everybody is but we've got a creative job so we for our kids you know if they turn back and say I want to be a graphic designer I want to be an instructor we're like yes you go girl but Mm. now I'm thinking sometimes I do find myself being like oh I hope they won't be an accountant or you know and I'm like actually I shouldn't be like that because at the end of the day it's nice to encourage whatever they like whatever they that, like doing that might be what they absolutely love and what their passion is and I think that's it isn't it is we've all got the sort of potential to do that because we worry about our kids and we want to make sure that they do something that you know like makes them happy and all this kind of stuff and so I think yeah I think I'm the same as you where I have to catch myself from pushing them down a creativity route and not allowing them to really explore you know whatever career it is that they want and I think often you know like when parents have resistance to creative careers it's more out of like a fear of you know them not being able to earn a living or you know whatever it is like that it's a complex <laughs> complex issue or topic yeah I love it so how did you go from being really creative as a kid to then becoming a graphic designer when did you start understanding that that could be a career path yeah I think it was actually quite late that I realized that but basically at school like art was always my favorite subject I was really lucky that I had an amazing art teacher in high school who I feel like really pushed me and encouraged me and sort of I guess made me really believe that this was a route that I could go down as well and then after I finished high school so I finished high school obsessed with photography and I this is going to age me but I spent like most of my like last year at school in a cupboard in a dark room basically developing photographs of puddles <laughs> I've done a whole series of photographs of reflections in puddles and I spent hours in that cupboard um so I then went and did a foundation course which is basically like a year course where you get to try out all sorts of different creative disciplines so I did that going into it thinking I'm gonna do photography but then one of the streams on that course was graphic design and I think that's when I first realized 
that that was like a career path for me to go down and I just fell in love with it there basically and I always think part of the thing is that I like lots of different things so I love photography I love illustration I love type you know I love all of it and I felt like design was actually a way that I could bring it all together so even if I wasn't creating the photography or the illustrations necessarily in design I would be able to like work with all those people I'd be able to bring all of those elements together in the design so that's why I felt like it was a really good fit for me yeah so I basically tried out all the different things you know tried out fine art tried out mixed media you know all sorts of pottery photography and then just fell in love with graphic design and I've basically been doing it ever since so that was like when I was 19 and then after that I went on I applied for universities and studied did a BA in graphic design at university And you had a full-time job for a bit before going freelance. And I want to hear about what that taught you, if you feel like that's important for designers and, you know, any person in the creative industry to have a full-time job before going freelance or if you can, like, dodge it and not do it. Hilariously, at university, I was always adamant that I didn't want to freelance. I, I just had no interest in working myself. Like, I really wanted to go and work for other people. I felt like there was this definitely this kind of, like, idea that you'd like go to London and you get a job at an amazing agency and you know like that was definitely the sort of aspiration of a lot of people in my year at university yeah did that I started off and I went and did an internship in New York which was amazing hard because I didn't know anyone there but amazing and then I moved to London and got a job at an agency but that was like a year-long contract and then after that I went and worked in-house at university and then I did that for seven years so for eight years I was doing design working for other people I would never say that you have to do that I definitely don't think you have to do that I'm grateful that I did it in the sense that I learned a lot and so I think it meant that I could hit the ground running quite quickly when I did start doing my own freelance stuff even just things like you know how to Like when I worked at the university, I very much had control over the projects that I was working on. And so I had to like manage my time. I was usually working on sort of like 10 to 15 different projects at a time. So I had to like manage all of that. So I feel like it actually gave me like a lot. I learned a lot of lessons about how to find the best ways to work, how to deal with clients because even though I was in a university like all the other people in the university were like my clients so they'd like come to the design team I'd be working with all the printers I'd be you know checking proofs so I was like doing all of this different stuff but also working with like a team of other designers who were like teaching me things you know I was art directing a magazine I I just got so many incredible experiences that I just think meant I had maybe like a bit more confidence and was ready to just go when I decided to go down the freelance route I don't think you have to do that. There's so much that you can learn online now. And I think actually one, I guess on the flip side, one of the negatives of that is that I think I got a bit like comfortable. I didn't really like push myself creatively. It was sort of like quite easy, you know, like I do my nine to five and I go home and then I could just switch off and I wouldn't really think about my job, which that's not a bad thing in itself. In fact, I need a bit more of that now, but I think I did get a bit stagnant. And so actually I had to really sort of get going again when I started doing my own thing because no one else was going to do it for me. You know, like I had to find the clients, whereas before there was like other people that would do certain aspects of it. 
it for me. So yeah, that's the sort of journey. How did it feel then going freelance after such, yeah, I didn't know how long you'd work in-house. So Because you said you didn't think that was something you were going to do. So you never got mm. a niche during these like eight years to do it. You never felt well, like... Well, I did. I started to get an itch at the end. And so what actually happened... So there's this one particular project which feels really defining for me in terms of me going freelance. And basically the sister of a colleague of mine set up a clothing boutique in Peckham and needed branding. And she asked me if I would do it. And I was a bit like, oh, I haven't really got time, but she really wanted me to do it. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. That really then I think gave me the itch. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like I could do this myself. And it was like very fun, very different from the sort of work I was doing in my nine to five. And basically the whole time I've been working, I've been doing the odd bits and pieces of freelance work on the side, you know, like for friends or people that I knew or friends of friends or whatever. So I did always have a little taste of it, but I think that was the project where I was just like, oh, okay, actually I could turn this into something. And then basically, I think in maybe like the last year of my working um, at the university, I went down to four days a week because my freelance work started like building up. I also had a stationary shop and I was doing like, markets and stuff so I was basically working on my own projects on that fourth day Um, and I'm really glad I did because it meant that I built up quite a few clients then I had my first child and was able to do little bits and pieces while I was on maternity leave which was really nice you know I mostly did like just packing orders for my shop and just like to you know posting them so it was very low pressure I could just do bits when I wanted to I think all of those sort of experiences gave me a taste for it and made me realize that you know I could make this work and I really really wanted to be at home with my kids like I didn't really want to go back to the nine to five especially because at that point we were living in London and so if I had done that I basically would have had to put my kid in nursery from sort of like 8am till like 6pm like minimum because my commute was like an hour often it was longer and like absolutely no judgment or shade on anyone who chooses to do that but I just did that's not really what I wanted to do. So freelance seemed like a good option to pursue in the sense that you know, we wanted to have another kid. I could sort of like push forward and then step back as needed, depended on what was going on in our lives. And we basically, at that point, decided to move out of London, partly so that I would have the opportunity to do that with like less pressure, because obviously like our housing was like a lot cheaper. We were near a family, so we had help with childcare. So, you know, like there's a whole load of different factors that meant that with a bit less risk, I could pursue freelance work and not have the pressure of needing to make loads of money straight away. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, because that's something I I say to a lot of illustrators and designers that start out, which is, you know, if you can have a part time job or something else on the side where we start building your portfolio and you get, you know, you do it progressively, then it's a bit less pressure. I mean, Mm. you can also just like plunge straight into it and go for it, but it will make it more stressful. And I think, yeah, like you said, your journey's been everything kind of worked out really well, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And I just feel really, really fortunate because now like that's that's actually been so good like the way that my work has been not always that easy but I've loved having that flexibility and being freelance while my kids have been little um like it's been really important to me to still work And I think I'm a much better mum. This is for me personally, just like knowing my personality and what makes me feel happy and filled up. Like I've been a much better mum and a much nicer person to be around. Having 
time with my kids but also time to work and be creative and feel sort of like challenged and have goals all that kind of thing I think everyone needs something to fill that cup on the side of motherhood you yeah, can't just some be a sort mom. Of outlet yeah, yeah absolutely and like for some people you know they've spent their lives longing to be mothers and that is the thing that fills them up and makes them happy completely and that's great if that is you but I think you're right like I think a lot of people do need something on the side whether it's like a hobby or some charity work or you know just something that they enjoy and is like theirs and is not about defining them as a mother because I think that's it isn't it is that we become mothers and then we sort of have a bit of an identity crisis because that's kind of what we then become known as and it's almost like we lose that person that we were before and so I think being able to still do bits of work even if it was like the smallest amount just was this like connection to who I was before and it didn't feel like I'd all of a sudden lost everything which sounds really dramatic (laughs) but that is what it feels like a bit isn't yeah, it? When you have I relate kids. so much. I think for me, it was so interesting because you do hear stories before having kids that people lose themselves and it's usually women because, you know, historically it's been women that have stopped working to look after the kids. And I didn't have this because I think being a freelancer means that you can be so flexible with your work. Like you said, being a mother is part of our identity. But for me, my work is like the highest part of it. Mm. This is what defines me. And I think I'd be more like if that went away, I don't know what I'd be, which is probably not healthy either like that's another discussion yeah. for another time yeah. but you know, therapist did, yeah <laughs> exactly um it's good if people can find something that makes them happy and fulfilled and like you say you're better human to be around a better mother a better everything yeah really I've really realized that that actually it's not just about like having time to work that it actually makes me better when I'm with my kids and I actually love the balance of the two I don't really want to go back to working I've been working part-time now since they were born effectively and I don't really want to go back to full-time work like it's really I feel like it's really good for me personally I think probably because I could be easily prone to be a workaholic because I love what I do so actually having that balance of time with my kids when I can't just physically can't work to then having time dedicated to working is just yeah it's just the right balance and I just feel really fortunate like I didn't go into graphic design at all thinking about oh well I want to have kids and this might be the sort of job that I can do freelance and can fit around them like all just sort of fallen together in a really beautiful way that I did not plan really (laughs) so I feel very grateful that it worked out that way because it, it has worked out well and that's not to say that it is not without its challenges like I work way too many evenings than I should do and I feel like I'm gonna constantly be trying to get the balance right of how much time I spend working and how much time I don't and most of the time I feel like I've got the balance wrong but I enjoy it a lot. It's interesting what you said about being a workaholic and finding that balance. I am grateful for my daughter and we want another one as well so maybe that will help even more but it helps me yeah not work all the time because Mm. I told even before I met my partner you need this boundaries you need someone else to be like hey can you stop doing whatever you're doing <laughs> yeah. now it's late just come and watch a film I'm like oh no but that's not productive and I know what am I gonna yeah. do that's probably a mix of all personalities and just being a freelancer as well I feel like you mm. need to have that mindset of you're kind of always on in a in a strange way 
yeah, it's really hard to switch off. And that is the thing that I feel like I'm going to be working through for a while is like how to switch off from my business. Because even when I'm not working on it, it's always like they're ticking along in the back of my mind, like, oh, I could try this, you know, like coming up with ideas and stuff. But at the same time, it's like a challenge that I enjoy, you know, like I do, I'm happy to just keep trying, trying things out and seeing what works best in terms of trying to be better with boundaries and stricter about bedtimes, you know, all that kind of thing. I'm up for just trying stuff and see what works. Yeah. So actually, you mentioned it earlier. I'm like you, we do a lot of different things. So you're a graphic designer, but you also do illustration. Obviously, you do the podcast, you do courses, you do so many different things. You've got the Adobe thing there as well. I mean, it's been a while, Mm -hmm. but so you do a lot of live videos how do you find it positioning yourself? Because I feel like in the industry, there's this pressure to niche down and, Mm. you know, be only one thing just because we've been told that that's what makes it less confusing for clients and and people in general. But we love to do loads of different things and we don't want to be restricted. So how do you navigate this? Yeah, it's such a good question. I think... um... I think the niching down advice is good and bad. My natural reaction to that sort of thing is like, I don't want to tell me what to do, which is terrible. But basically, I I think what I've realized is that just personality wise, I like doing lots of different things. Like that's how I feel most creatively stimulating. Like that's how I enjoy working. And I think the way that I position myself is I am here to support small businesses with their branding and marketing. I guess I'm, I'm not like a traditional marketeer but that it kind of like goes together so everything that I do actually does fit into that niche but in a different way it like solves that problem in a different way so my branding packages which I guess would be my main service I am solving that problem in a one-to-one I do it for you way then my podcast helps solve that problem and that's like my free content so that's still helping small business owners with their branding and marketing through like interviewing people and chatting about different topics the courses so I started the courses because I noticed I was getting quite a lot of inquiries from people who just like weren't at the point in their business where they could afford my branding services which is absolutely fine and understandable and but I felt like they need help too so how can I create something that would help them so then I create created the courses where and I actually like agonized over whether to do this or not for ages but I created like my main course is a it's called design your own branding and it basically walks them through the process of creating their own branding and then they have like support from me along the way so that solves the same problem again and then my collaboration with Adobe I am an Adobe Express ambassador and Adobe Express is all about making design more accessible to people who maybe aren't like traditionally trained or don't have that sort of level of experience and so I do lots of live streaming around how to use Adobe Express and all that kind thing and it's again it's all about supporting and helping not exclusively but a lot of it is about helping small business owners with their branding and their marketing so I feel like all of the different things that I do all fit into the niche but they just are expressed in different ways and so that actually works really well for me because I can be very niched in what I talk about which is branding and marketing for small businesses and all of those things 
align with that and I think you know one of the things I talk about in branding a lot is knowing what your values are and what your I guess like your what like why you're doing what you do and who you're trying to serve so if you've got those core blocks in place it makes it easier for you to decide what is a good fit for you in terms of what you're going to work on so for example starting up the podcast fitted in really well with my values as a business owner and so it was like an easy oh yeah I'm going to do this oh I'm going to give it a go at least and then the Adobe thing you know like when they approached me that was an easy yes because it fitted in really well with what I was already doing yeah and so I think that's how I tackle it you know like they all fit in this kind of umbrella of what I'm talking about and what I'm trying to do but they're just in different ways and then that keeps things fun and fresh and exciting for me because I'm not always working on one thing and I've actually learned so many different skills off the back of it like I'd never live streamed before apart from maybe like once or twice on Instagram before working with Adobe and now I've done sort of you know, like over 50, yeah, I don't even know what number I'm up to now, live streams for them. And, you know, podcasting, I'd never done that before. I think I'd been a guest on one podcast before I started my podcast. And now I've been, you know, I'm being a guest on yours. I've been a guest on loads of different people's podcasts, but I also like learned skills to like interview people. It's also like really helped grow my network. So there's just been loads of benefits I didn't really expect. And they all kind of feed into each other, which is what's really nice. I love how everything actually makes a lot of sense now that you've laid it out like this and I'm just thinking about everything I do I'm thinking I'm way more scattered do things actually make sense I need (laughs) I need to figure out I need to sit down and be like wait Mel are you just doing loads of random things or does it actually make sense and you don't know what that thing is I think it you'll probably find that it does make sense because when I look at your stuff and the content that you produce and everything that you do it doesn't feel scattered at all it feels like very cohesive and I think for me like I didn't necessarily go in it with this like plan to build this multi-hyphen business all around this topic but because I knew what was important to me and what and a part of it is just like what you're interested in and what your values are I sort of realized part way through oh this is what I'm creating like this is where it's all fitting together and then that makes it a lot easier for me to just keep everything almost like in order in my head as to what I'm doing and why I'm doing it but I think often we quite instinctively are drawn to things that fit in together yeah and so but sometimes I think there's no harm is there in like sometimes like what I like to do is just get a bit of paper and write down all of the things that I'm doing and just try and make sense of it and like make it more organized and ordered because I think sometimes yeah we just sort of say yes to things because we feel like they'd be a good fit and don't necessarily know where they fit in the bigger picture but then when you do get a good picture of how they fit together either it gives you a lot of confidence and you're like okay yeah this is what I'm supposed to be doing that's really great or it might be that you identify something where you're like I'm putting a lot of energy into this I don't actually love it it doesn't fit that amazingly with what else I'm doing maybe I need to stop doing that so that I've got space and capacity to like pick up something that's more aligned with what I'm doing and then for some people it might be that you just have this one thing you know I could easily just be branding 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 and I'm just going to do done for you branding services and that's going to be my focus and I think for some people that works better and I think you can build you can build a successful business off both models it's just working out what works best for you as a person yeah I agree and I think 
That's true, but also you've talked about this a lot and I've talked about it a lot as well is the idea of not having all your eggs in the same basket, which is yeah. quite important as a freelance, you know, mm. business owner. It's really hard knowing what's going to work, what, you know, where you can make money, where the income is coming from. And I think if you can multiply and have, you know, areas that you love that you can gain a little bit of income from, that's always good. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely been a game changer for me is starting to be more strategic about doing that. Um, because I think... I was actually really fortunate in the pandemic that I didn't lose many of my clients. But part of that was because I was still, I was actually working, I was not working that much at the beginning of the pandemic because my second daughter, like my daughter was quite still quite young. So I was just coming out of my second maternity leave. But what that made me realize was something could happen where a very particular strand of your business, like or a very particular group of people could be impacted, right? So in the pandemic, some people's careers took off because the world needed what they were doing. And some people's careers were absolutely decimated because no one could do what they were offering at that particular time. And I think for a lot of designers, it was really hard because um, when businesses were coming from a place of fear and were feeling like a pinch they weren't necessarily in a position that they wanted to like invest in branding or outsource design or whatever that was and I think just that whole experience made me realize I don't want to be reliant on just one way of making money because I want to I want to feel as safe as possible in my freelance career and what the setup I've got now I mean there's there's always risk right but I feel like if one strand went down then I have got other strands that I could then like push on you know like or try and grow and I wouldn't be starting from zero with them so that would make it a bit easier so that's kind of where I'm at now with like diversifying my income okay now I want to talk about something you've been doing which is really exciting and you've talked about it a lot which is your 100 rejections is it for six months that's the only thing I can't remember that okay. that was like the yes. general premise like to yeah. get 100 rejections in six months like whether I'm actually gonna achieve it or not is questionable. yeah so but yeah let's talk about this like what prompted this project and how is it going and what are you learning okay uh what prompted it was I invited a, I asked a really high profile marketer if he'd be on my podcast and he basically said no that my podcast was too small which is that you know absolutely fine you know like he needs to be wise about how he uses his time but I felt I, it was quite interesting, like how I felt about the fact that he'd said no. And I felt a bit embarrassed and I was like, oh, should I not have asked him? Like, I felt like a little bit silly for having asked him in the first place. And I realized that potentially those feelings would stop me from asking people in the future because I'd be like, oh no, what if they say no? You know, like it doesn't feel great for someone to turn around and be like, no, I don't want to do that kind of thing. Not that he said it like harshly like that. Um, but we, I think we're all quite sensitive to rejection, aren't we? Or even perceived rejection. And so I just one day was realizing that I wasn't going for stuff because I was scared that people were going to say no. And so it was just so much easier and safer to just not ask for anything or not pitch for anything. And so I was like, okay, this isn't how I want to run my business. This isn't how I want to like live my life. So I I work well with challenges and gamifying things and making it into something fun. So I had seen a friend of mine, Katie, who you might know actually is an illustrator, Katie Chapel. 
her Instagram is Katie Draws. She oh, yeah, runs yeah. the Good Ship Illustration yeah, um, membership. Anyway, she had done a similar challenge, which I think she'd seen someone else do, where she was she tried to get a hundred no's. And so I just decided to copy her basically. So I set myself this challenge that I'd try and get a hundred rejections in six months. And like very much just like an experiment. Like, let's just do it and see what happens. My suspicion was that I wouldn't get a hundred no's, that some of them would be yeses, and then that would be amazing and like good things would happen for my business. But I'd also get better dealing with it when people did say no and I I'm like part way through at the moment but even just from the minute I decided to do it I feel like the shift in my mentality around it was huge and it became fun it was like right what can I pitch for today you know like I'm just going to ask for something and see if it happens. And it was all in a work context, right? It wasn't any personal things. There's loads of people on TikTok who are doing videos where they go up to strangers in the street and ask if they'll sing a duet with them to get a rejection. And I wasn't doing anything like that. A lot of it has been about the podcast or like pitching for sponsors and asking for like maybe more high profile guests on the podcast. There's been some work that I've pitched for, um, a lot of pitching myself to other podcasts or to write articles for like magazines. That's the kind of thing that I've been doing and yeah I mean it's just been it's just been an incredible experience so far I feel like I'm probably I'm probably a few more rejections than yeses a a, a little while ago I was sort of about 50 50 which I was like that's pretty good ratio I'm getting a few more rejections now because I think I realized I needed to kind of like take it up a notch and ask for some bigger things but yeah I just think it's it's changed my whole attitude towards failure and rejection and actually just seeing them as part of the process not making it mean something that it doesn't so like when someone says no often it's not anything about me or it doesn't have to mean anything about me or how good I am which is I think how we often take it take it really personally like sometimes it's not the right time or they're just focused on something else right now or you know I might not be the right fit but that doesn't mean I won't be the right fit for someone else you know there's sort of lots of lots of stories that we tell ourselves that often aren't true yeah definitely are you gonna try to email again when you got a rejection after the challenge is finished because there's that thing as well of like I always tell people you don't have to just reach out once and hear a no and never reach again if it's like imagine like a really exciting sponsor or like that guy that said no maybe I mean your podcast is growing so eventually he's gonna have to come on and apologize for saying no (laughs) I'm kidding but you know are you what's your mindset for that yeah I'm totally up for following things up so there's a couple of people where I emailed them quite early on in the challenge and I and didn't hear back and so I just sent a follow-up email um I did have a chat with someone that I'd approached about sponsorship who were like this is something that we're interested in but we don't have we like we don't really have it set up yet so I'll get in touch in a couple of months and I've made an I've got like a spreadsheet where I'm making notes of everything and I've made a note in my head like right email them in September and see how they're getting on with setting that up so I definitely definitely all for revisiting things and I also think I actually learned this from an amazing illustrator who was on my podcast called Kyle Webster um, and he works for Adobe he basically created a business he would make brushes for Photoshop and then sell those and eventually Adobe bought his business and that's why he works for Adobe now he just told this amazing story on my podcast which was that he pitched to Adobe for them to buy his business twice and it wasn't until it had grown and it was at bigger that on the third time 
then they were like, yeah, let's have a chat. We're interested. And I think so often, like that was such a good lesson for me to learn because I think so often we think once we've approached someone about something, if they say no, that's it. That's the end of the story. And this, his story just like proves that that's not the case. It might just not be the right time. You might not be at the right point in whatever it is you're doing. And so that's really encouraged me to think, okay, it's a no now. Maybe down the line, it'll be a yes. Um, might try again you know down the line I don't it's gonna vary from people to people you know it depends it kind of depends what it is you're pitching for as well but yeah so I am totally open to following up and asking people again and a lot of my rejections are just no replies so those are perfect ones to like follow up I'm not gonna like start harassing people though (laughs) you know like if they don't reply a second time then you know that's fine I'm happy to like move on and explore other opportunities but I think there's no harm in following up you know twice maybe even three times depending on who it is or what it's about. Yes I was thinking also for illustrators it's a really good thing to keep sending your work out obviously like you say you don't want to harass anyone but you know, if you send something to someone, and I think it's Owen that came on my podcast, because you kept on saying my, my podcast, he came on my podcast, and he said really cool things too. And uh, he, he was saying that he kept on sending stuff like regularly, like every few months. And um, mm. eventually they were like, oh yeah, you sent that illustration recently. So I think there's no harm in just sending yeah. out, if someone's answered and say, yeah, your work is cool. We don't have anything right now. Just yeah, mm. and a few months later, say, hey, me again, look at this, this new stuff. That's more for illustrators. But um, it it applies for any creative job, I guess. But yeah, that's especially true for illustrators, because like you say, your work's always changing and evolving and like a particular, you know, you might send some illustrations and they're not quite the right fit for like a magazine or whatever. And then you might do something down the line that's actually perfect. And a lot of it, a lot of it is. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. A lot of it is luck in the sense of or good timing, you know, like a lot of it is just the timing being right. So um it's that thing isn't it that oh we're looking for an illustrator to do this and then your email happens to land at the perfect time and your style is exactly what they need and a lot of the a lot of it when you get rejected is also timing it's like oh we've got you know we've got all the slots filled up for this issue of whatever magazine let's say it is and I think that's yeah that's true especially for illustration you know that's why it is good to keep trying and not be disheartened like don't let that be the thing that knocks you down and stops you and that's kind of that that was kind of the whole point for me like I didn't want to get to a point where the rejections stopped me from keeping pitching and so I wanted it was like exposure therapy like I wanted to get to the point where I could deal with rejection in like a healthy and helpful way so that I could just keep going and keep pitching for things and it wasn't going to derail me every time someone said no. Yeah makes a lot of sense. Talking about illustration you've been doing a lot more of it you did a few of the pattern challenges and you've created your own pattern challenge on Instagram. I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about that and how you feel about illustration and if you want it to have a bigger place in your basket of eggs. Yeah, it's interesting because I would never ever describe myself as an illustrator, but I do love I do love illustration and I love sort of dabbling in it and doing bits of pe- pieces. And I think there is, you know, there is a lot of crossover with design. Like a lot of my designs have um you know like handwritten typography you know like hand-drawn elements it's so interesting to me because looking back at the work that I created when I was at university like my work has always had like it's never been very corporate so it's always had like a hand-drawn 
aspect to it. A few years ago, before I had an iPad Pro, I would have paper all around my office that was like covered in ink. You know, I was really into like inking typography and then I would use that in my designs. And I think it's just something that I really enjoy. I actually bought an amazing book the other day that was all about branding that is very heavily illustrative. You know, like that it's more illustrative than often you get branding and then there'll be some illustrations that go with it. But this was where the whole branding was basically like built around the illustrations and like the work was just beautiful and it's just that's the sort of work that I love that's what I really enjoy like I don't think I'd ever go down the route of like just being pure illustration a lot of illustrators I know came from design and then went to illustration or uh, illustrators but dabble in design you know do design I think there's so much overlap, you know, like there's so many illustrators who also do branding design. There's so many branding designers who also do a bit of illustration. But yeah, I love that aspect of it. Like I adore your pattern challenges. I just, I, I mean, again, partly because I just love a challenge and I love having sort of like limitations put on me creatively. So like, you know, that you've got a prompt and you've picked a color palette. And so you've got to try and make something work with those sort of limitations. Like for me, I find that really inspiring creatively. What I love about your pattern challenge and then the one that me and Ocean have done is just um, having the space to play and be creative that isn't for anything in particular because that's something that I'm not very good at doing and so it forces me to just like experiment and try things out and not get too precious about what the final piece is and so I like today even I posted a pattern that I didn't really love like I kind of like aspects of it but how it came out in a pattern I didn't think was that great but I was like you know what I'm just gonna post it anyway I'm going to post it up. You know, this is something that I'm working on. It's like a work in progress. And I just... It, that's good for me in terms of not being too precious about like my grid and showing a bit more of the behind the scenes. But also, I just love that process of trying out different things and it not being for anything in particular. It's so important to share your work, even when you feel like it's not 100% amazing or perfect. Mm. And like you said, like we evolve so much. Like I'm the same looking back on, because I've been doing the pattern challenge for a few years now. And I so recently patterns I did for the first one. I was like, it's crazy how much my mm. work's changed and evolved in a good way. I think, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm happier about it now, but that's all due to consistently and constantly creating and sharing and just letting go. I think those challenges, and I've done others because well, I've do the pattern challenge, you do one as well, but there's loads of different challenges on Instagram mm. and I always push illustrators to join because it helps so much to develop your style and just have fun with it and have this constraint actually make it into something that makes a lot of sense also at the end because like what you guys are doing is really cool because the prompts are all very different. The last challenge I did, I tried to make it into a little collection of patterns because I thought it would be cool to have something that made sense. I'm probably not going to do that for the next one because I feel like making really crazy crazy prompts i'm thinking i'm gonna oh, get a bit mad on the next one I'm like excited. crazy prompts <laughs> yeah. not like traditional thing just the weirdest stuff it'll be fun but i love that you've been sharing a lot of illustration like you said i think it really overlaps you can tell when illustrators are graphic designer at heart the way we create things and you know what you said about liking like rules and constraint it's a very graphic designer yeah, you know brain thing. Because you've come from a graphic edge. design background, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. 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 And so I think that's it. Like, I think there's a lot of transition between those careers, like both ways. And, and also just like a lot of overlap. But I love that, you know, and I and I think that you can see that in the work that you do, because I don't know, whenever you create design graphics for Instagram or you create a PDF, like your PDFs are so beautiful. <laughs> 
your website is really beautiful. You know, you can see the design side of it as well. And it's just sort of expanding your skill set, isn't it? And having lots of tools at your disposal. Yeah, I love graphic design. I think, well, you know, both my parents were designers. So I literally was born into design and having to create pretty PDFs from birth, almost, <laughs> yeah. you know. But I wanted to talk a little bit about struggles because I'm always interested in like things that we might be struggling with as, you know, freelancers. We've talked a little bit about some of these things already, but do you feel like there's something you wish you'd known at the beginning of your, like, let's say freelance career, let's just go from there. Is there something you wish you'd known that would have made your life easier now? I wish I'd known that everybody struggles with a lot of this stuff because I think it's so easy especially like with social media to think oh I'm struggling with particular things and no one else is struggling with them as well but I think as creatives my impression is is that at some point we always doubt our work we always doubt whether it's like good enough um we question lots of things I wish I'd known that failure and rejection and all those kind of things are part of the process. Most designers have got a story of someone who, you know, wasn't happy with the designs that they created or um, like, I don't know, something went wrong on a project. And obviously like that's not the stuff that we're shouting about and sharing, but I wish I'd known that, that that was actually just part of the process and it's not necessarily like a bad thing you know it's hard to deal with in the moment but actually the times when projects haven't gone as I thought that they would or haven't gone well like I've actually learned more from those than anything else and it's made me a much better designer so that's kind of what I wish I'd known before to kind of expect that and also to know that everybody else is kind of going through a similar sort of thing but they're just not maybe not talking about it <laughs> yeah it's a bit like the imposter syndrome because I think I had a question about that as well I feel like we all have it and then sometimes I think about it and I'm like well if we're all feeling like imposters like nothing makes sense it's like who is actually the right is you know we're just in our heads a lot and mm. like you said the strength comes from us sharing things and helping each other out as well I saw this really good like meme that someone shared the other day I can't remember who which was basically along the lines of um well if you are an imposter then go you for fooling everybody for so long like that's impressive in itself and it's just that reminder isn't it that we're not imposters we're all just on a journey where we're trying to work things out and no one's got all the answers and everybody's sort of like learning and sharing and learning and sharing and like I definitely struggled with imposter syndrome and I feel it most keenly when I'm like pushing myself out of my comfort zone and doing something I haven't really done before um even if I'm like qualified to do it and so I mean but what even makes you qualified to do something anyway that's the question but yeah so I think I've definitely it's definitely something that I've struggled with it's something that I'm really trying to not let again like the rejection thing I like trying to not let it stop me or not let it consume me to the point that I can't move forward and to just really enjoy the journey of, yeah, sometimes things are going to feel uncomfortable, but actually that's a good thing because it means that I'm learning something new and I'm pushing myself forward. Like I am a bit over the whole step out of your comfort zone thing, because I think there's so much more nuance to it than that. There has to be certain privileges in place for you to be able to step out of your comfort zone and for you to be able to take risks in your business and try new things. You know, like you have to have support around you. You have to have financial support 
stability potentially to you know take a risk in your business so it kind of like bugs me when people just throw that around but I do think you have to get comfortable with discomfort basically to to be able to push yourself forward and maybe achieve sort of goals that are a little bit out of reach right now actually I wanted to ask you is there anything you haven't done yet it's not me trying to add things to your plate it's just curious that you'd want to try one day work-wise yeah yeah I think there's loads of things like one of the things that I would love well I say that I'd love to do it. I think I need to do it a few times to see if I do love it but I think I'd love to do more like public speaking so maybe like talks um I've been to like more in-person events recently which has been amazing and the atmosphere and the creativity has just been like really cool um so I think I'd like to give that a go one of the things that I would love to do is do an in-person event for the podcast so like build more of a community around the podcast and people actually be able to hang out in person so that's kind of on my radar as something that I want to work towards yeah I mean there's always I've always got like ideas of different things that I'd like to try I mean actually a lot of it at the moment is I'm really enjoying what I'm doing and so I feel like I just want to keep getting better at the things that I'm doing right now you know like I'm really enjoying the podcast I've started getting sponsorship for that so that gives me like a little bit more capacity to sort of push it forward and do more things with it so yeah doing some public speaking I am doing I'm speaking at a conference called Marketed Live in September which I'm really looking forward to that's that's the kind of current trajectory yeah so what are your I wanted to know like three podcasts like dream podcast guests like the biggest you can think about like Obama you know huge I don't know what you have to say about business but (laughs) I know about branding (laughs) well actually I feel like the way I mean Obama wasn't on my list but I feel like the way they (laughs) brand like political campaigns in America is so interesting you know like that hope poster of him yeah I think it's like Shepard Fairley is it I'm not sure if that's how you say his name but anyway yeah that would be a good one so this is the thing the people that I want to talk to aren't necessarily like the most well-known but they're like people that I really admire so one of them is Jessica Hish have you come across her I just of course I adore she's amazing she is huge she is huge yeah she is huge and amazing so she is like right up there I have messaged her I have emailed her she's part of my rejection challenge so we'll see if she replies she hasn't replied yet Um, I might have to do like a follow-up email but yeah so she is like top of the list I would also love to interview David Hyatt. He has a company called Hewitt Denim and he set up the Do Lectures. I don't know if you've come across those and there's like a whole load of books. So he like started his career at Saatchi and Saatchi, I think. And, you know, like it's just amazing. It's built lots of incredible businesses, are just really amazing at like marketing, brand building, all that kind of thing. So he's the other one. And then the third one is another illustrator. See, I'm just drawn to illustrators. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is um, Morgan Harper Nichols. She's amazing, yeah. Absolutely adore her work and I just think I mean I've never encountered anyone who shares stuff like I've the number of times I see anything that she creates and I'm like yes this person like is looking into my brain like she just shares such encouraging work so yeah those are my top three at the moment I'm sure it'll be it'll change and hopefully maybe one of those three will say yes and then I can add another person in there (laughs) yeah I'm sure yeah eventually you know 
whatever is meant to happen will happen. I always feel that way. And if it's not now, if, you know, they don't go back to you now, you can try later. And when my when my podcast is like at the top of all like the charts and everyone's yeah. heard of it, I'll just be like, hey, want to come yeah. on my podcast? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll just fly you over to London so we can record in person. <laughs> that would be so cool. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you want to know more about Mimi, then head out to mimiforcreatives.com and make sure to check the show notes for more details about our guest. I'll see you soon.